I consider myself a pet owner and a pet owner that experienced a pet food killing my pet. And it literally changed my life. And my dog, who was my best friend, she had a tumor show up on her pelvic bone almost overnight and took her to my vet. He said this tumor was cancer and I had about two weeks to tell her goodbye and that the cancer was more than likely caused by a chemical preservative that is commonly used in pet foods. Welcome to the Doggy Dan podcast show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hello and welcome everybody to another Doggy Dan podcast and today I have Susan Thixton with me. Susan is a pet food consumer advocate and she's one of just a handful of advocates in the US that fights to hold the pet food industry accountable to existing food safety regulations. So she's the founder of Association for Truth in Pet Food which is a pet food consumer stakeholder organization which represents the consumer voice at regulatory meetings. Susan's also the author and co-author of several books, the publisher of the website truthaboutpetfood.com, petsumareport.com, and Association for Truth in Pet Food. And I've had a look at the sites and they are fantastic. So Susan, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. It's, it's uh, really cool to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's our pleasure. So, I love your websites. I've uh, watched uh, a lot of the videos on them. But I'd, I always like to just hand over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words, where you've come from, what you do, uh, just to give the uh, audience a, a little bit of perspective on, on, on where you're coming from. Well, I, I was a, you know, I consider myself a pet owner and a pet owner that experienced a pet food killing my pet mm. and it literally changed my life it changed the direction of my life and it's been 30 some odd years ago um, in the early 1990s um, my dog and i was a dog trainer at the time ran a boarding and training facility and my dog who was my best friend, my business partner, she had a tumor show up on her pelvic bone almost overnight and took her to my vet, who this vet knew more about pet food back then than most veterinarians do today. He said this tumor was cancer and I had about two weeks to tell her goodbye and that the cancer was more than likely caused by a chemical preservative that is commonly used in pet foods. And back then, I, I didn't know what a chemical preservative was. My, my vet explained that it was to used in pet foods to extend the shelf life. I didn't know what shelf life was, but I was so devastated that I called the pet food manufacturer. This was my first phone call to a pet food company. And I asked them how long the food would stay fresh. And they very proudly told me this dog food would stay fresh for 30 years. Those words 
changed everything for me. That and and telling my dog goodbye. Um, it, it was just life altering. And that particular vet gave, this was before the internet, really dating myself. Um, that vet loaned me books to read. And when the internet you know, everyone had access to the internet. You could access papers and the law. I tend to focus more on the legal aspects of pet food. Uh, what is law? What laws are not abided by? So forth. Um, but, um, and, and one thing led to another. Some friends challenged me to start the website. And I started Truth About Pet Food in 2006. And here we are today, still battling for, you know, law to be enforced and for transparency for the consumer. Dog food that will last and, quote, stay fresh for 30 years. I mean, I, I watched the movie Pet Fooled and I still, those words stuck with me. And um, that's your quote that's on there, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that story was just incredible. I remember going, what? I can remember that conversation as if it was yesterday. It, it was mm. it was horrible. I mean, just for people who are listening, what we're saying is the food that Susan was inquiring about will stay, I mean, they say fresh. I'm sure it's not fresh. It's just, it's deemed fit for dogs for 30 years. I mean, I, I, I repeated that to so many of my friends. I said, what, what lasts 30 years? Bread doesn't last 30 years. No potatoes, no vegetables. Meat won't last 30 years. Flour would go off after, before 30 years. I mean, even a paper cup would probably disintegrate within 30 years. So what what is it that's in that food? Can you tell us what these preservatives actually are? The preservative that was used that is linked to cancer in dogs and, and cats uh, is ethoxyquin. Yes. And it's spelled E-T-H-O-X-Y-Q-U-I-N, I believe. Um, ethoxyquin is still used to this day in pet food. Wow. You'll see it sometimes on the label in the ingredient list, but worse yet, some ingredients are preserved with it. A common one that is preserved with ethoxyquin is fish meal. So if your pet food has a fish meal, um, any kind of meal ingredient, chicken meal, beef meal, lamb meal, uh, they can all be preserved with ethoxyquin. And it's, it's a bad chemical. And this is where I think you've reminded me of a very clever trick. If this is true, then I think this just sums up how tricky it all gets. If the fish meal is um, preserved in ethoxyquin before it's delivered to the manufacturer, they don't have to um, announce that it's got ethoxyquin in. Is that correct? That is correct. They do not have to disclose the manufacturer did not add it. So the manufacturer does not have to disclose it uh, to the consumer. So you see how tricky this everybody is. If something's got a really bad product in it, the way to get around it is to ask the people who are supplying the ingredients to do it first. And then they don't have to make announce that they've got it in the food. How tricky, how deceitful. I mean, that's just deceitful beyond words for me. It is, yes. Deceitful. And it's one of many 
deceitful things about this industry. Yep. In the U.S., pet food, the FDA, FDA is the the ultimate regulatory authority over pet food, and the FDA openly allows pet foods to contain illegal adulterated ingredients. And I'm going to warn listeners, I'm going to get a little graphic here. Uh, a cow dies in the field and lays there decomposing for three days. A truck comes and picks up that decomposing carcass. That carcass is ground and sold to pet food with no disclosure to the consumer whatsoever. And it can be sold to the consumer with a picture of a, a beautiful steak on the label. In the US, I just did a post on this, um, 159,000 pounds of condemned carcasses. Now this is a step up from the decomposing carcass out in a field, um, 159 million, excuse me, 159 million pounds of condemned carcasses. So these are uh, cattle, hogs, chickens, turkeys that were slaughtered, but the animals were diseased. So they were condemned, deemed unfit for human consumption. All of those are allowed into pet food with no disclosure to the consumer. Mm. It's very concerning because, of course, there may be a lot of the chicken and, uh, you know, a lot of the food, the, the dead animals, carcasses may be fit for, um, it may be healthy enough for dogs to eat. But the concern, I guess, I'm thinking is it may be that they died of a pretty bad disease that you don't want going back into the dog food. Is it? I mean, that, that's what I'm thinking. Is and another issue is these ingredients are not required. None of the manufacturing safety procedures that apply to human food are applied to pet food. And one of the big safety features is ingredients to be stored and transported under refrigeration. Well, when, when you have meats, fats that are transported and stored without refrigeration, they start to um, decompose, bacteria levels escalate in there. The FDA thinks, well, if we just cook this material, we're killing the bacteria. Well, but there's another huge problem and it's called endotoxins. Some bacteria, as example, Salmonella and E. coli, they are gram-negative bacteria. And when there is a kill step for that bacteria, such as cooking the meat loaded with this bacteria, these gram-negative bacterias produce a toxin called an endotoxin. And live bacteria isn't as much of a risk to our pets as it is to us. But the dead bacteria, the toxins, the endotoxins, is a huge risk. And we nobody tests these pet foods for levels of endotoxins. It, it's 
it's just a massive problem. There's one thing after another, after another that is hidden from pet owners. Um, so it, what it all boils down to, I could go on for days about all the bad things is that they're not all bad, but you have to do your homework. You have to learn if this manufacturer uh, is using USDA inspected and passed edible ingredients, meats, everything else, you know, all other ingredients, if they are human grade ingredients. So you've got to ask the manufacturer questions. Are these meat ingredients transported and warehoused under refrigeration? Um, how often is the food tested? So you just keep asking questions of the manufacturer. You're trusting your pet's life with this food. So you've got to ask a lot of questions. Fascinating. So can you tell us, I, 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 I'm interested in, in kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit more in terms of your concerns before we start looking at solutions. So what are the other concerns? What are your other biggest concerns that you have about uh, the pet food industry or dog food in particular? You know, what's, what, what other tricks are there that are going on that consumers may be completely unaware of? Well, the biggest to me is that we are, pet owners are not told any quality of ingredient. Mm. You know, if, if you are buying a pet food, um, like that, those a hundred and almost 60 million pounds of condemned diseased animal carcasses, um, we're not paying for someone else's garbage, you know, and we should not have to become a private investigator and have to trace this down if we're paying our money for this product, a product that's termed a food. So that is the biggest thing is, is lack of transparency to the quality of ingredients. Um, there is also an issue of lack of transparency of the laws. So all of the laws and, and lack of consumer input and considerations mm. for the laws. Yep. Consumers for years have wanted carbohydrate information on pet food labels. And a few companies are providing that voluntarily, but we still, still don't have that in regulation yet. You know, so it's, it's how much salt is in a pet food you know, there's so many different things and all of those laws are hidden yep. from consumers. If you want to research the laws on your food, you can read until your eyes are crossed. They're all on the internet. They're all free for the public to access and read. The same is not true for pet food regulations. And like um, just the simple term with, You've seen labels that said, you know, brand XYZ dog food with chicken. Well, the with means that that pet food is required to contain 3%, a minimum of 3% chicken. And uh, I think it's an 18 pound bag the minimum is like eight ounces in an 18 pound bag of dog food only eight ounces 
of chicken. And uh, I guess that doesn't even have to be chicken meat, does it? It could be chicken anything. That is correct. The legal, every ingredient in pet food has its own legal definition, which is very different from the same food in humans, human food. So chicken can be condemned chicken. It can be edible, USDA inspected and passed chicken. It can be chicken meat. It can be chicken skin, no meat. It can be chicken bones, no meat. So that eight ounces of chicken that you're getting, you don't even know what that is. So, and, and another problem is that veterinarians are denied access to all of this stuff. We need more veterinarians to be on the consumer side, to be appalled that uh, non-slaughtered animals and condemned animals are dumped, disposed of into pet food, that we don't have access to these laws. But because they don't know, they don't have access to the laws either, uh, I think that then they tend to believe their sales reps, their uh, big pet feed sales reps, uh, more than us, more than mm. their clients. And I think we need mm. more vets to stand alongside with us. Yeah. I, I, I think what you've touched on there is the, the almost the levels of deceit and the deliberate kind of almost feels like the deliberate manipulation of the truth and the lack of transparency just it just leaves the owner you know it, it's just so hard to really get any idea of what's in the dog food and um i think the bit that you've touched on there is is it's just that we would like to have the choice of knowing you know is this real chicken meat and what percentage and was it fresh meat or was it you know was it dead? Was it dead and dying, or is it bones and and whatever? But we want to know so that we don't end up paying the top top price. And actually, you know, and I know this kind of happens. You, you pay top top dollar, and you're actually not getting top top food for our dogs. Yeah, we have we have no idea that in the U.S. again, pet foods. If the label you you cannot. Um, take with any any faith any claims made on a pet food website they might be truthful they might not be truthful mm. um, but the label if you see the words human grade on the pet food label labels are validated the words on labels not images but the words on labels are validated by regulatory authorities and if you see those words human grade on the pet food label, then that means that dog or cat food is, includes 100%, no exception, all human edible ingredients and human edible supplements, mm. and that it was manufactured per human food safety standards. So pet food has different manufacturing standards. And a, a good example, which would never be allowed in human food, um, the FDA did an inspection. This was a follow-up inspection. I believe it was in 2017, 2018, of a Mars pet care facility. Um, and this facility had a recall. And then this was a year later, they did a follow-up inspection. And they noted, quote, millions 
of roaches in the food production area. And there was no follow-up recall to that. FDA did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. It was just accepted that this manufacturing facility, pet food, food manufacturing facility was contaminated with roaches. And it didn't matter wow. because it was going to pets. Wow. It's staggering, isn't it? So one of the things, I'm curious, what are the things, the simple things that people can do to either find out from a website or a book what the good food is or what what words? I mean, you've mentioned the word human grade is a great, um, if you have the words human grade, that's a big, a big plus. What else can people do? What are the things that you'd recommend people do to start um, moving towards, you know, ensuring their dogs are getting good food? I would suggest every pet owner to email or call, and I kind of like to have it personally in writing um, versus in a, in a phone conversation, just so you have that evidence and hold on to that email. But ask them, uh, ask your manufacturer if ingredients are human edible, if supplements are human edible, ask them the country of origin of all ingredients, and then ask them how often the manufacturer tests incoming in ingredients and the finished pet food. And, and a perfect example of it really, you know, the manufacturers need to test their incoming ingredients is science diet. They had a massive recall for excess vitamin D that, you know, had the company tested incoming ingredients would have never happened. So we, we need, yes, ma uh, testing is expensive, um, but the larger the brand, there is no excuse, absolutely no excuse for them not to test every incoming shipment of ingredients and every batch going out the door. Mm. Yep, because, uh, I mean, that's at the end of the day, food in, the food coming in, if you test that and you test the food going out, then it's it's going to be pretty good. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now, there can still be manufacturing errors, but that would be caught in testing it before it was shipped out. And a lot of, even a lot of smaller manufacturers, it's really amazing how much testing they do. And that's, that's wonderful. We, we need them. Uh, again, we're, we're trusting our pets' lives yep. with this company. So we need them to step up and do everything they can to assure us that this is a safe product. You know, I I have my own personal story which I want to throw in here because you, you'll have heard it a hundred times, but just to give um, consumers an idea of just how real this is. I We had a cat. Um, some of you who follow me in my dog training program may have seen my dear cat named Bouja. He was a ginger cat. And... He got very, very sick and was um, he was clearly dying and my wife was actually not very well. She was in bed crying at the time saying, take the cat to the vets, he's going to die. And we'd already taken him uh, to our usual vet who'd done the blood tests and said he had leukemia, needed cancer treatment for two or $3,000. But we were very suspicious. It just did not feel like that. He wasn't eating properly. 
He was kind of throwing his food up and he was all his hair was falling out. So I decided to take him to another vet a bit further away. It was a long drive and the problem was, you know, Bougerou was always sick when he was in the car. So it was always going to be a horrible journey. But I did it. Took him to this other vet. This other vet, I kid you not, he put his hand on my cat. He ran his hand down the cat. He took one look at him and it said, and he just said, well, his hair's falling out. I can tell you now, it's the food you're feeding him. Mm. And I said, really? He said, yep. He said, what are you feeding him? And I told him, and it was one of the, quote, quote, best brands available, one of the biggest in the world, sort of, you know, one of these large multinational dog, cat, dog and cat food companies. I was feeding him the best. And he said, yep, that'll do it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that's got a preservative in it, which will kill your cat and dog. It's banned from the human food chain, but you're still allowed to put it in the, in the cat and dog food. I said, really? He says, yeah, that's all it is. He said, take these little pills, and he gave me some little pills. He said, feed your cat and put him on chicken and rice and give me a ring in two days. I thought, two days? This, this cat's going to take weeks to recover. He's probably, if he's alive in two days, I'll be happy. Anyway, I took him home, and I, I, just before I left, I said, well, what about the leukemia? And he looked at me, and he said, your cat does not have leukemia. Mm. I kid you not. Two days later, this cat had doubled in weight. All of the fur started growing. And the, the vet also said that the reason he's, he's sick is because he can't eat because all his hair's furling, furling, falling out. He's licking himself. He's got fur balls stuck in his belly from all of this. That's why he can't eat. Two days later, it doubled in weight. This cat lived for another 10 years. Oh, wow. And guess who was feeding me, the, um, giving me the dog food, the cat food, was the same vet who said he had cancer. So... The cat, the cat was. I was being. I was buying the very food that was killing my cat from the same vet who was going to then do cancer treatment when really it was the the cat food. Mm. And you know, and I spoke to people about this, and the number of people who've had similar experiences are not realised. You know, whether it's tumours from the dogs, and a lot of them are selling the big branded dog food, and it, you know, I've got no doubt. Yeah. Well, it's it's so much of it is is waste ingredients and yes. you are what you eat and we cannot expect these animals to eat recycled garbage and expect them to thrive. It's not going to happen. You know, um, that's that's amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a beautiful vet, a beautiful vet, very a very amazing holistic vet here in uh, here in New Zealand. Uh, now, could you tell us is there a website? I know you've got a couple of beautiful websites. Where would you suggest people go if they're going how can I maybe I don't know find out whether my vet and my dog foods are good dog food or is there a place like that you could recommend or how can they learn more from which website would you recommend they start moving towards well i always encourage pet owners to educate themselves mm. on on the laws in your country so wherever yes. your listeners are at learn the laws in your country that regulate pet food that gives you a foundation to then know um if your product is abiding by law or if they're not so educate yourself as much as possible for pet owners in the u.s uh, we have I, I take pet pet food consumers i'm solely supported by pet food consumers and i have two different products that i sell to support the work that i do and one is a pet food review publication um, petsumer <laughs> report 
and it's PetsumerReport.com. Now that is strictly for pet food sold in the U.S. But um, you know, but there's lots of different places um, following you know, different people. I'm not the last word in pet food by any means. So follow different people. Dr. Karen Becker is great. Rodney Habib, Dr. Judy Morgan, um, Dr. Lori Koger. There's, there's a lot of people, you know, follow to continue your education. And you don't have to read everything that they put out but you can read some and, and every bit you learn, you're in, you're in a much better position to protect your pet and to sift through all the marketing and, and find your pet a healthy food. Uh, that's brilliant. We'll put all the links that we can on, um, on this podcast. We'll write it all up and have all the links there. So anyone who's thinking I'm driving and I wished I'd grab that URL, whether it was the uh, PetsumaReport.com or any of the names mentioned, we'll, we'll get all those written up. Uh, that's that's really, really great to have that information. And I believe you, you know, you've got a couple of books you've uh, been involved with. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Well, they're not in print anymore, but I I've taken them down. Um, Buyer Beware was a, a book. I need to do another one, and I just haven't had the time about the regulation or lack of regulation of pet food. And then myself and a veterinarian did a pet food cookbook, um, which we don't have up anymore either. But um, and and that's another way. Don't ever hesitate. Think you're in, incapable of preparing your own pet's food then you're going to know exactly how safe it is because you bought all the ingredients. Just make sure you follow a good recipe. And um, there again, Rodney Habib and Dr. Karen Becker have some wonderful recipes. Uh, Dr. Judy Morgan has some recipes. So there's, there's as long as you get a, a good recipe that is complete and balanced, provides all the nutrition and you can do it all through food that's how our cookbook was it was providing all the nutrition through food not having to add supplements brilliant brilliant well susan is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, wrap this up in terms of uh, something you'd like to share a story or tell us about your plans anything else you'd like to encourage the uh, the listeners to do it's uh, been absolutely fantastic chatting with you and it's got me all motivated again <laughs> <laughs> i always encourage pet owners to well two things to pay it forward if, if just like what you did sharing your story if you've had a good experience and you've learned something share that with another pet owner we are grassroots we are trying to save other pet owners from learning lessons the hard way. Mine was a lesson learned the hard way with the death of my pet. And the other is, is to speak up, to write your elected officials, to, um, you know, demand that law be enforced with pet food and transparency and labels you know, I, often I will write about different issues 
and I asked pet owners to write their representatives or write their regulatory authorities. And I'll even give an example email. All they have to do is copy it and paste it into an email. And that really helps a lot. The more voices, the more we all stand up um, together and, and become a louder voice for all of our pets. It's not just my pets. It's not just your pets. This is, we're all in this together. And so the more we speak out uh, about it is helpful. That's brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. So that website again was PetSumaReport.com. And so if you're interested in finding out more, then maybe start there or TruthAboutPetFood.com. Susan, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. I can tell you now a lot about what you're talking about. It's incredible. I love chatting to people who, uh, who know their stuff. I feel like we could chat for hours. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And so for those of you who want to know more, you can go to any of those websites or go to theonlinedogtrainer.com forward slash Petsuma report. And all the links and details will, will be there. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening and love your dog. You've been listening to another episode of the Doggy Dan podcast show, bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog. 